Good morning and happy Easter, everyone. This is Dr. Rosalind Clark here on day 562 of Mercury, a broadcast of hope. And I'm here today with Agnes Drew. Hey, where's Jennifer? I would have expected her to have something to say about Easter. I'm sure she does, and you can ask her about it later because we're all going to visit the lighthouse today after we're done here. But I would imagine that one of the things she would say is the importance of being with family on a day like today, especially for a Christian. Well, yeah, I guess that makes sense. So what's on the agenda for today? Well, Easter, obviously. It's one of the most hopeful times of the year for people who believe. The resurrection of Christ after the crucifixion, the sacrifice he made so that everyone could be with God. If more people would focus on that message and less on judging people for being different, the world would be a better place, zombies or no zombies. Actually, I have a question. Sure, no problem. Is it about the calculation of the dates, which has been the subject of a lot of controversy? Well, no, but now that you've mentioned it, what controversy? Well, Easter and the days preceding are what are known as a movable feast because they don't fall on the same calendar day every year, not to mention all the various calendars that have been used throughout history. The original instructions were that Easter should fall on the Sunday following the full moon, which falls on or after the equinox. But what was your original question? Is it about the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD? The Council of what? The Council of Nicaea actually did a lot of things, but in the context of this discussion, what they did was establish a definitive way to calculate the date of Easter, which they did by advocating that the Christian community do the calculation independently so that they could all celebrate in common and abandon an old tradition of using the Jewish Hebrew calendar. But what about your actual question? Was it about... Actually, Dr. Clark, it's about the Easter Bunny. What about the Easter Bunny? How did a rabbit and eggs get associated with a holiday about rebirth? Oh. Well, it started as a German tradition in 1682. Some ancient philosophers like Pliny and Plutarch thought the hare was a hermaphrodite and could reproduce without mating, and therefore drew a comparison to the Virgin Mary. We know now that hares and rabbits reproduce like any other mammal, but by then the association was made and the tradition was stuck. Rabbits and hares were popular symbols in medieval church art. So the church used rabbits to symbolize Mary, but how do the eggs fit in? Well, like a lot of Christian tradition, this one was heavily influenced by the worship of the German goddess Iastra, who was celebrated in the spring, which is often associated with rebirth and fertility. Both rabbits and eggs are obvious fertility symbols. Yeah, don't rabbits reproduce really fast? Oh, heck yeah, they do. Female hares can actually conceive a second litter while they're still pregnant with the first. This is called superfetation. The young mature extremely quickly and give birth to several litters every year. This is where we get the phrase breeding like rabbits. And what about dyeing the eggs? A couple of things led to that. First, in early days, the eggs were always dyed red to symbolize the blood of Christ. But the other thing that happened was that people would do the process of dyeing the eggs by boiling them in water with flowers. The color from the flowers would transfer to the eggshell, and it was like being able to bring spring inside the house. Some Orthodox churches have a tradition of not eating eggs during Lent, and so to keep any eggs produced during that time from spoiling, they would be boiled or roasted. This is all really interesting, Dr. Clark. Thanks. No problem. 
Another interesting thing about the Easter Bunny is that originally it was a little like Santa Claus and would only bring eggs to good children. What did the bad children get? Nothing, I would imagine. I don't recall them getting punished by the Easter Bunny. Oh, and they don't have the Easter Bunny in Australia. What? I thought the Easter Bunny was anywhere people celebrated Easter. Well, it was, but here's the thing. In Australia, rabbits are considered a pest. Remember how fast we said they could breed a minute ago? Well, they weren't introduced to Australia until the 18th century and were farmed long enough for the population to get out of control. And now they're considered an invasive species that does millions of dollars worth of damage to crops every year. So what do they have if they don't have the Easter bunny? The Easter bilby? A bilby is a native marsupial. The Easter bilby got started in the late 60s with a book. But in 1991, the idea really took off, and by 1993, stores were selling chocolate bilbies with a percentage of sales going to conservation efforts. Wow! I just had an idea that we should probably not tell Max about. What's that? Zombies are technically some kind of resurrection, right? I wouldn't go that far. It's more of a reanimation, but I see your point. And you're right. We don't want to tell Max. And definitely not Alaska. She'll want to celebrate the Easter zombie who will bring chocolate brains to the children. And we just discussed that on the air. Curses. Um, better late than ever to wrap this up. For Mercury, a broadcast of hope, this has been Dr. Rosalind Clark and Agnes Drew. Don't anybody get any funny ideas, but have a happy Easter. Take care of each other.